Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you again on another episode of this radio show. Vitality Radio is in its 11th year. It's hard to believe I've been doing it this long, and I don't know what I'd do without this weekly thing that I do. I love it. Today's show is pretty exciting for me, and I don't even know how to categorize it. You know, most of the time I have like this morning rant thing that I do, you know, at the beginning of the show, and I rant and rave about something that I'm frustrated about or that drives me crazy. And then oftentimes I'll have a primary topic or a few topics. Today, the whole show is kind of like half and half, kind of half rant, half topic. The topic for today's show is routine maintenance for your health. Episode one, episode one will be routine maintenance for men. Episode two will be routine maintenance for women. We all know that you, you do routine maintenance on your car. You do routine maintenance on your house. There are routine things that are recommended in modern medicine for men and women. And they differ a little bit, obviously, based on your sex. I'm going to go into what WebMD recommends for your health as routine maintenance. And I'm going to see how much of it I agree with. And then I'll tell you what I recommend. And we'll kind of, you know, battle it back and forth. We're even going to play a little game with it. Pretty excited about it. But before I get into that, as I was sitting down to record the show today, my wrist was hurting. Now, I haven't told this, well, maybe I have. If I have, I apologize. If you remember this story, thank you for listening to Vitality Radio more than once. But regardless, a couple years back, a couple summers ago, I was down in southern Utah in a ghost town uh, that is just awesome. It's called Thompson Springs, Utah little tiny place. Most people have never heard of it. But if you have, good for you. It's not too far from Moab, maybe an hour north of Moab or something like that off of I-70. Regardless, my two little ones and I, they were seven and five, uh, seven and yeah, just barely turned five, I believe, uh, at the time. They, uh, the, the three of us were down there camping. And we were staying in this little uh, kind of cabin thing that uh, this guy rents out down there. Cute little place. If you're ever interested, it's great. And we went to go see the petroglyphs that they have on the uh, canyon walls there. And I climbed up on this rock, big red rock, and the kids climbed up behind me. And we were looking at these petroglyphs, and it was really cool. And the kids walked down the trail off the rock, and I was still sitting on the rock. And there's two ways to get off this rock. You walk around down the trail, or you jump off. Well, jumping off is it's a fairly good jump, but it's not not doable. Uh, certainly at a younger age, might have been a little more doable than it was at 45 years old, like I was at the time. Regardless, I said to my little girl, Nora, I said, Nora, should I jump? And she said, yeah, dad, jump. And I, I started to lean into it. And then you start to think, oh, this might not be a good idea, right? 
And I thought about it, and I, well, maybe I'll just go around and Norris. No, no, you got to do it, Dad. You can do it. Go for it, Dad. Basically, double dared me, you know, double dog dared, something like that. She's seven. Well, nine now, but she was seven years old, and I caved to whatever kind of pressure that is. She's not my peer. She's my daughter, and I jumped. I made the jump. It was awesome. Landed on my feet, and then momentum took me, and I just about face planted, but I'll tell you what, my face didn't hit. My hands hit hard and dug into that dirt, and my right wrist has never been the same since. Now, I was stubborn, probably should have gone to have it x-rayed, and I never did. I don't know what's wrong with it. But every once in a while, it kind of flares up a little bit. And one of these days, I'll go take a look. But right before I sat down to do this show, it started acting up on me again a little bit. And I knew what to do. I grabbed this little wristband. It's made by a company called Incrediware. And I threw it on there. And I cannot tell you the difference that it makes. It's night and day. It's hard to explain, really. Incrediware is interesting because it's not a brace. It doesn't like provide a bunch of pressure. A little bit of pressure, but it's got two things woven into the fiber. Uh, it's a it's a specific type of activated carbon and something called organic germanium. They're woven into the fiber of the wristband, and that creates circulation to the area. It increases the circulation to the wrist by 61%, according to their studies, and it makes all the difference in the world. Now, they have socks, which I wear. They have uh, wrist braces, ankle braces, knee braces, uh, back braces, uh, gloves for people with like carpal tunnel, all kinds of stuff. The wrist is awesome for carpal tunnel too, from what I understand. If you've got any kind of chronic pain, inflammation, that kind of thing, and you need support, if you've got neuropathy, oh my word, the socks are amazing for neuropathy. Awesome, awesome stuff. I highly recommend that you give these a try. I just uh, wasn't going to talk about IncrediWare, but I'm telling you, my right wrist, you'll see me. If you come into Vitality, you'll see me wear this thing more often than not. Big difference. Absolutely love it. Okay, so anyway, I got to get on to the topic. And because a lot of this is going to be rant, eh, we might as well go ahead and title it The Morning Rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right. So there is some rantable stuff here. I said at the beginning of the show, that this is what I would do. I'm going to go through the WebMD article on routine maintenance for men's health. And I'm going to see if I can shoot any holes in it. There are some things in here that I agree with wholeheartedly and some things that I vehemently disagree with. Well, let's just go ahead and start with how they start. The head of their article says, Some say men take better care of their cars than they do themselves. But at least a car comes with an owner's manual telling you when scheduled services do. Few health maintenance issues are as predictable as tire rotations and oil changes. But attention to a few basic health issues can go a long way. 
Since you can't trade yourself in, it's well worth it, to leaf through WebMD's health maintenance and checkup tips for men. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. But as I started reading this, I stopped. I read the first uh, the, the first heading. There's, there, there was eight parts to this. I'm not going to go through all eight because I don't have time. But I'm going to get through six or seven of them at least. And um, as I started reading it, I thought, you know what? Let's play a game. Have you heard of the game Two Truths and a Lie? Now, if you're not familiar with Two Truths and a Lie, it's kind of a getting-to-know-you game. You might sit around with a group of new friends, and uh, I might say, you know, I was the student body president, uh, I have a radio show that I do, and I am an elite trail runner. And anybody that knows me would say, oh yeah, those first two, those are true. Uh, He's far from an elite trail runner. But people who don't know me might not know I have a radio show or that I was a student body president. And if they didn't look at me very closely, they might think I'm an elite trail runner, whatever. Two truths and a lie. The idea is to get to know somebody and learn some things that you may not know about them. And it's kind of a fun guessing game thing. And I thought as I was reading through this, I thought we could play two truths and a lie with each one of these categories and just see how much of what WebMD is telling us is true and how much might be a fabrication, a lie, propaganda, as I talk about often on Vitality Radio. So I didn't read the actual article before I decided to come up with two truths and a lie. And as I was reading it, I inserted truth at the end of the things I agree with and believe are true and lie at the end of the things that I did not. Let's get into it. Know your cholesterol levels. That's the first headline. The number one killer of men today is cardiovascular disease. True. Nice job, WebMD. You're off to a solid start. Mostly heart attacks and strokes. Although the last few decades have seen the rate of death from cardiovascular disease fall a little bit, it's still men's top health threat. Truth again. And high cholesterol is a major preventable risk factor. Lie. 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 I tell you, but does it sound like a lie? Do you believe it? Do you believe that cholesterol is a major preventable risk factor? Well, lie might be a little bit of a strong word. I would say it's definitely a little bit of a strong word. But there's a lot of lie in that. And that is that high cholesterol, first off, we don't know how big of a risk factor it is. Now, they want you to believe. And why they, I mean who? WebMD? Well, WebMD is almost exclusively paid for by drug companies. The advertising on WebMD is all drug company, drug company, drug company, drug companies, tons of it. And so, yeah, of course, if that's their sponsor base, they're going to uh, cater to that sponsor base. So the question is, is high cholesterol a big deal? Well, maybe it's not as big a deal as they once thought it was. And yet we are being told over and over again, just pounded in the skull over and over again. If your cholesterol is over 200, you're at risk. You're going to die of heart disease if you don't get on a statin drug and knock it down. And that just isn't true. In fact, there is excellent evidence that statin drugs are more dangerous than they are useful. Uh, We have a variety of different meta-analyses that have been done. Now, what does that mean? That means they've combined a whole bunch of studies together to give us one result. And these meta-analyses can be really, really useful because usually they are done by someone like the Cochrane Collaboration where they are more unbiased than the studies that often come from the drug companies that actually produce the drugs. 
And one meta-analysis estimates that one, uno, one heart attack or stroke is prevented for every 250 people who are on a statin drug. One heart attack or stroke prevented by every 250 people who are on a statin drug. That doesn't sound like the kind of odds that I want uh, when I'm taking a drug that we know has high-level side effects. 10% of people uh, get significant side effects with statin drugs, and yet one of 250 prevent a heart, heart attack? Now, remember... As I must always state, I am not your doctor. I'm not here to replace his or her uh, advice or prescription. I am here to tell you what I believe is true about your health. You get to decide whether or not you agree, but my hope is that I get to at least open your eyes to some realities out there that maybe things aren't quite so cut and dried, so black and white when it comes to this stuff. So I would say that high cholesterol being a major preventable risk factor has issues, especially when you consider this, that when they say preventable, they mean knock it down with a drug more often than not. Because they say that if you have uh, high cholesterol, you need treatment. And that, I believe, is a lie. Okay, so I'm going to give you my recommendations as part of this as we go along. And my recommendation when it comes to cholesterol is going to come at the end of uh, article number two in this series on WebMD, which is titled, Check Your Blood Pressure. Don't expect to feel symptoms of high blood pressure, they say, until hypertension's daily pounding of your arteries has damaged your body. You won't likely notice a thing. Truth. Blood pressure, high blood pressure can be a silent killer. Absolutely. Normal blood pressure is less than 120 over 80, and medicines are often prescribed for pressures of 130 over 80 and higher. That's also true. Why care, they ask? High blood pressure causes or makes worse a long list of health problems, heart attacks, strokes, erectile dysfunction, and kidney disease, to name just a few. Most cases can be prevented, and controlling your blood pressure is an easy place to start. Truth! Most cases can be prevented, and controlling your blood pressure is a great place to start. 100% agree. Unlike cholesterol, where it's really questionable how big of a deal cholesterol actually is, we know blood pressure is a big deal. It's a big deal, and it needs to be controlled. First, though, they say, you've got to know your numbers. Call your primary care doctor or just walk into your neighborhood fire station. No appointment necessary. True, not hard to figure out your blood pressure. And if you have a problem with blood pressure, you can get a monitor for 50 to 100 bucks that'll help you figure out what your blood pressure is at home. So, notice I didn't say anything about a lie. The lie here is subtle. Because if you get diagnosed with high blood pressure once you do contact your medical provider, you will, in almost every case, be prescribed a drug when blood pressure is simply not that hard to control in most cases. Now, many doctors will tell you to reduce your sodium. And there's value in that to some degree, but part of the problem, much of the problem, is actually the balance of electrolytes, not the total content. Now, the American diet is high in salt. It's high in sodium. It's very low in magnesium. And it's lower in potassium than it probably should be, but especially magnesium. And we know that 82% of us are deficient in magnesium. We know another one of these meta-analyses has shown that if you just get your magnesium up, you have a significantly lower risk of heart disease. And I would dare say that I believe magnesium deficiency is much more of a primary cause 
than his cholesterol. Not just my opinion. That's actually medically verified in many studies. And some people, even in modern medicine, are starting to take note of this magnesium deficiency thing. But it'll be years before you hear anything about like that from your typical doctor. So what do we do if we have high blood pressure and we don't want to be on a blood pressure drug? Well, exercise is a big deal. It absolutely is. And it is for balancing cholesterol levels as well. Reducing sodium, probably, but I don't necessarily think you have to go on a very low sodium diet. Get the other electrolytes. You can either use electrolyte drops. There's a great one called Endure that I love. You can just simply take magnesium or trace minerals that are rich in magnesium. That can make a big difference in blood pressure. And some people, that's all it takes. How about swapping out your salt? If you're using white table salt, please stop right now. It's really, really cheap. And so I encourage you, throw it out. Get rid of your white table salt. Just get rid of it. It's garbage. It's fake. It's not real salt. I'm not talking about just the brand name, but it's not real salt. It's isolated sodium and it's terrible because in isolation, most things in high doses are going to be more harmful than good. So get rid of your regular table salt. Get either Himalayan salt or real whole sea salt or the brand real salt right here from Utah. Amazing stuff. And they have the cofactors, the other minerals that help to minimize uh, the blood pressure spike that can come with pure sodium. And there are many cases, I've talked to dozens of people over the years, who just changing out the type of salt they use has changed their health and changed their blood pressure. And if you want to test it out, even just come to Vitality. We'll give you a free little trial size of real salt so you can taste it. If you've never tried it, we'll give you a little travel one. I carry one with me and try and use it whenever I go to a restaurant and need a little more salt. Um, we'll give you one for free. They're usually a couple bucks on the house. Just mention that you heard about it on Vitality Radio. What the heck? I got quite a few of them in stock right now over at Vitality Nutrition. But exercise, magnesium, changing out your salt, that's a big deal. One thing that I do on a regular basis, actually two things, I'll, I'll hit them back to back, that I think are huge for both cholesterol balance. Notice I'm not saying lowering cholesterol, but we want to have the proper levels of HDL and LDL. And triglycerides want to be in check, those kind of things. NO Cardio Boost, one of my favorite products. I do not have a strong family history of heart disease, but... Heart disease is the biggest killer, as we discussed, and I don't want to die of a heart attack or a stroke. So InnoCardio Boost and uh, other nitric oxide boosting things are a regular part of my daily routine, and I absolutely swear by doing this because over time, if you get your nitric oxide levels high enough, we have excellent medical research showing that you can actually start to reverse vascular aging. You can actually improve heart health, not just keep blood pressure under control or cholesterol under control, but actually improve heart health without pharmaceuticals. How would that be? I've routinely heard stories from people over and over again showing that they're telling me their blood pressure is under control as long as they keep their nitric oxide levels up. And one of the best ways to do that is NO Cardio Boost. I also take AGE garlic extract. That's aged garlic extract. Uh, that's what the AGE stands for. From a company called Kyolic. I absolutely love this stuff. There's no downside to it because the one downside to garlic that you can probably think of is it stinks. Oh, it smells so good. I love garlic, but I don't want it on my breath. I don't want it coming through my pores. 
but that's the beauty of aged garlic extract. It's more potent than regular garlic and it's odorless and it works. It's great for your cholesterol. They have clinical studies showing that can actually reduce cholesterol levels 10%. Even if I don't necessarily agree that high cholesterol is a big deal, having it under control is not necessarily a bad thing, right? And uh, on top of that, it can also help to reduce blood pressure. We know that that is the case based on several clinical studies as well. So a lot of excellent reasons to keep the uh, garlic going. And it's just plain good for you, great for your immune system. In fact, it'll pop up again a little later on in terms of one of the routine maintenance things things that I recommend. Hey, I'm going to cut to a quick break at the end of this one. And after I am done with this break, we'll come back and talk about a few other things that we can do on this routine maintenance for men's health. We're going to discuss your prostate and uh, some real confusing stuff about that. We're going to discuss what can be done for uh, cancer screening in general and why cancer screening might be a problem. We're going to talk about other things that are considered quote-unquote prevention in modern medicine because I'll tell you, they don't do much with prevention. It's mostly treatment. And we're going to talk about how to prevent these things because the reason that we get our oil changed in our car is so we don't have to change out the engine later, right? So preventative maintenance, that's the key. We'll talk more about that when we come back. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns, naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair, and I'm your host, it is an absolutely beautiful day. I love the opportunity that I have to talk about these things, and I can't believe I haven't come up with this idea for a show earlier, 10 and a half, almost 11 years into doing Vitality Radio, and I haven't just gone through and said, what do we do for routine maintenance? But there are some really good things we can do. Okay, so on WebMD, as uh, if you're just joining us, we were talking about the preventative maintenance things. Well, they don't call it preventative maintenance. They call it routine maintenance. Uh, for your health. I like to call it preventative maintenance because we want to prevent disease. We don't want to just 
seek it out and find it and then try and cure it. We want to prevent it in the first place. So what can we do to prevent disease? Well, their next item, number three, is refresh your refrigerator. Remember, we're playing two truths and a lie with this list. We'll see what WebMD is telling us that's true and what they're telling us that maybe not so much. They say it's no coincidence that both the American Heart Association and the American Cancer Society continually advise, eat your vegetables and fruits too. True, it is no coincidence. However, taking advice from the American Heart Association and the American Cancer Society on your health is like asking Donald Trump how to be likable. It's just a bad resource, a really, really bad resource. I don't know if that was a bad pun or not, but hey, it is what it is. The truth of the matter is, we don't want to listen to these organizations. I really, really can't stress that enough. The American Heart Association and the American Cancer Society have been lying to us and spewing propaganda ever since their inception years ago, and much of what they've said has been absolutely proven to be garbage even when they were saying it, knowing scientifically that what they were saying was wrong, they still do it. And you're going to hear more of it right here in just a minute. So the article continues to say cancer, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, eye diseases, diabetes, and other health conditions all involve damage to cells. It's thought that a diet rich in fruits and vegetables, the best source of antioxidants, may prevent some cases of these illnesses. Truth. I can't disagree with that. Also, the more plant-based foods you're eating, the less saturated fat and total calories you'll be taking in. Over time, less fat means a healthier weight, improved cholesterol, and better health. Current guidelines recommend far more daily fruits and vegetables than most Americans eat. Ideally, you should eat mostly plant-based foods for most meals and enjoy meat as a small side dish. Half-truth. Maybe. Maybe a quarter-truth. Let's get into it. Eating fewer calories is almost always a good idea for most people. Most people are eating too many. Science has proven that less caloric intake is almost always for the best. However, there is very little evidence that saturated fat is actually bad for you. In fact, in some cases, we're finding out it might be good for us. Certainly better than a lot of the other fat options that are out there. And whole plant-based diet is largely a recommendation created by big food companies and animal rights activists. Now, some people listening to this show may disagree with me, and that's fine. The truth of the matter is there's a lot more science to be done to kind of figure all this out. But I'm simply not buying most of this that they're trying to sell me. Where they say if we just eat a plant-based diet, limited saturated fat, we're going to be healthier. Because first off, we have to understand that part of the issue is the quote-unquote plant-based. What does that mean? Because grains are plant-based. Sugars are plant-based. You all know that keto is a big craze right now. Well, keto doesn't incorporate grains, doesn't incorporate a lot of fruits either. Veggies, yes, but fruits not so much because of the sugar content, the carbohydrate content. So, and that's not to say that keto is the healthy way to eat, but we do know that keto can be very health promoting in certain cases and for certain people, and certainly can be an excellent short-term thing to do for your health in many ways, and yet it smacks squarely against what is being talked about here. But really, what do I mean by this little evidence? Well, there's tons of new evidence now, and really the evidence back in the 60s and 70s from the Framingham 
study was garbage anyway, saying that saturated fat and animal fat was this big dangerous thing. And when we switched off of saturated fat and started using margarine and Crisco and garbage like that, we all got sicker and fatter and it didn't reduce calories. In fact, the truth of the matter is saturated fat is very satiating. It is higher in calories, yes, but it's far more satiating than carbohydrate foods are, especially short-chain carbohydrates, sugars, grains, and things like that that get through the system very quickly, just make us hungrier. And so to say that all of a sudden we're going to have less weight and that we're going to be healthier if we go to a plant-based diet, I'm just not buying it. The key, in my opinion, is very simple. We want to eat healthy food. It's really that simple. Healthy food. And guess what? That healthy food can come from a lot of places. Absolutely, including plants. But that can also include animals. We can eat raw dairy if you want to. I know, it's hard to believe, but there's actually a milk truck that comes from Redmond Farms every Wednesday to Vitality Nutrition. If you want to get raw milk, believe it or not, you can. Cheese too. And there's other ways. Call us if you have questions about where to get it. We don't sell it because we don't own a dairy and that's the only way you can legally sell it in Utah, but we have access and we can help you with that. And raw dairy from clean cows that are raised correctly is a very health-promoting food, I believe, in most cases, whereas pasteurized dairy, not so much. Meat. Get good meat. Grass-fed or grass-fed grain-finished done correctly is a very healthy way to eat. Red meat, when it is grass-fed, can be very good for you, and it's actually there's quite a bit of evidence that it isn't even inflammatory in nature like most red meat is. Uh, Clean fish that is Uh, it's hard to find. Yes, Alaskan's about the only clean source anymore, but fish that is raised or that is raised by God, how about that, as opposed to farm raised, that's good. And poultry that is raised correctly without hormones and antibiotics and so on and so forth. Eggs are an excellent source of nutrition. So there's a lot of good things that you can do. And this whole thing about eating plant-based and I'll, I don't know, plant-based is good if it's the right plants and the right uh, quantities, but we all are just being fed a lie in so many ways when it comes to diet. And since when has the American Heart Association been able to teach us how to eat correctly anyway? They're the ones that told us to avoid animal fat in the first place, to get off of butter and into margarine. They've been lying to us for years. Don't trust them. Okay, how about this one? Number four, step on the scale, it says. Well, three out of four Americans are overweight or obese. Is fat the new normal? Well, yeah, it is. Fat is the new normal. There's an ongoing debate as to just how bad being overweight or obese is for our health, but it's clear that obesity is linked to higher rates of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and many kinds of cancer. True, absolutely true. Being fat is not a healthy way to live. While the experts debate... Start losing weight. Oh, that's what they say. Okay. Move more. Eat less is your mantra. And I agree with that. You don't need a gym membership to reach your goal of 30 minutes a day of physical activity, they say. Park the car far from the store. Take the stairs at work and walk the dog around the block and you're almost there. That's kind of a half truth. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Park in the far end of the car parking lot. Take more steps. Burn more calories. That's all good. But is 30 minutes of moderate or low activity exercise, especially in little intermittent spurts, really going to be the game changer for weight loss and physical fitness? 
Probably not. A little more exercise than that, I believe, will go a long way. So eh, it's, just, it's typical of these websites. They uh, give you this information as if it's super useful. And, uh, you know, some of this is good, but not so much. So, yeah, we do need to lose weight if we're overweight. We do need to work out exercise. I don't believe you need 12 hours in the gym by any stretch of the imagination, but you do need consistent exercise. And that is a real struggle for me. I'm not a, I don't know, natural born exercise enthusiast. And I wish I were, I got to get into that more. And uh, I highly believe in it, but it is one thing that I don't often find myself doing as much as I should for sure. So that's one that I will be working on as well. Okay, uh, well, the last thing they say I do agree with. Almost any diet can work in the short run, but long term, weight loss requires a permanent lifestyle change for most people. Make small changes that you can sustain over time and build on your successes. I would agree with that. Okay, let's talk about this next one here. Learn about prostate cancer screening, it says. Prostate cancer screening is controversial, and I'm, I think I feel I'm going to run out of time if I go all the way through this, but this is a really interesting one. They actually say in here that you ought to talk to your doctor before you decide if you should do prostate cancer screening at all, and I love that because that's a new thing. It hasn't that long ago that all doctors, all medical websites were saying, go get your PSA test done, check your prostate so on and so forth. Well, we know that screening hasn't proven overall to help men survive prostate cancer at all. In fact, screening detects many cancers that, if left alone, would never cause problems in the first place. These cancers are nevertheless removed surgically, leaving some men who might never have died from prostate cancer with side effects such as impotence or incontinence. But even worse, and this is not listed in the article, and it should be, if you get screened, for PSA, and your PSA, prostate-specific antigens, are high, then a doctor might recommend a biopsy. And if he recommends a biopsy, and the biopsy actually pierces the cancer, it can actually cause the cancer to spread, and it can kill you. That's not something that I'm exaggerating. That's something that we know to be the case. And that is why now the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force doesn't recommend routine PSA screening for men in the general population at all, regardless of age. They say the test may find cancers that are so slow-growing that medical treatments, which can have serious side effects, would offer no benefit. And further screening through biopsy can actually kill you. So, I agree with almost everything in this portion, and I love it. So kudos to WebMD for this set of guidelines. I must admit, they did a great job here, and I couldn't see any lies. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. But let's talk a little bit more about cancer screening, shall we? Because it's a big deal. Cancer screening is maddeningly over-recommended in this country as a preventative measure. Now, I want to focus on the word preventative. Now, listen, when I say this, cancer screening is not preventative, period. Because if you are screening for cancer, you're looking for a cancer that's already there. That doesn't prevent anything. I'm so sick 
of these organizations, specifically the biggest one that drives me nuts, is the Susan G. Komen Foundation. And for years, I wouldn't talk about it because people are passionate about this. They're passionate about getting their mammograms. They're passionate about putting the pink on. My favorite league in the NF in the world is the NFL, and they have a pink month every year in October. And it drives me crazy because what they're doing is raising awareness of something that we're already aware of, breast cancer. We know about it. We know about it. We know it's a big deal. We know a lot of people die of it. And I'm sorry if there's anybody in this listening answer, uh, listening audience who has been affected by breast cancer. It's a nasty, nasty disease. And I'm in no way making light of that. What I am frustrated with is this. Why are we waiting until the cancer's already there to do something about it? Why are we screening with something called a mammogram, which we know clinically adds about a 1% chance increase in cancer for every time that you have that screening done? Why in America does the American Cancer Society, remember I mentioned them above as being someone you shouldn't take health ideas and health tips from, they say that in America we ought to start at 40 years old. Women ought to start getting their cancer screenings through mammogram at 40 years old. They ought not stop until 70 years old. Every year. That means that between 40 and 70 they're increasing the risk of cancer by 30% according to the numbers. That's not small. That's not insignificant. That's downright wrong. It's bad medicine and it needs to be stopped because throughout the European Union, they're not cancer screening until 50 years old and they're recommending that you do it every two years, meaning they're giving you 10 mammograms, not 30. Well, that's a 10% increase, still not good, versus a 30% increase, horrible. That makes a lot more sense. And many in America, including in medicine, are saying we ought to adopt those guidelines. We're creating more issues than we need to. And there's a lot of reasons why this is a problem, besides the fact that they're increasing your odds of cancer. There's an article in Slate Magazine, and there's a, one particular paragraph that I loved. It says, people have a hard time viewing screenings as dangerous. Take, for example, the hands-off-my-mammogram uprising that followed a 2009 government recommendation that mammograms be started later in life and conducted less frequently. That's right, because a government task force actually agreed with what is being done in Europe. And guess what? American Cancer Society threw up a fit. A big one. Susan Coleman Society didn't like it. All these people, no, we got to have our mammograms. We got to have our mammograms. Why? Well, mammograms make a lot of money. A lot of money. An obscene amount of money. I've gone over it before in other episodes of Vitality Radio. And it creates a steady stream of more profitability for the cancer industry. And it is an industry in this country. So, after everybody flipped out, the government backed off. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And now we're still doing them every year from 40 to 70, and it's a horrible idea. It's invasive, it's painful, and it increases your risk of cancer every single time you do it. So reactions to this, of this kind appear to be based on two misunderstandings, according to Slate Magazine. First, many people overestimate the accuracy of screening exams. The false positive rate for a single screening exam is usually pretty low, but when you take them year after year, it becomes very likely that a healthy patient will receive a false positive. 
In 2009, a study showed that for many cancer screening tests, a patient who undergoes 14 screenings has more than a 50% chance of a false positive. Okay, so let's go through that. If we're having mammograms every year for 30 years, and for every 14, you have a 50% chance of a false positive, that means that we are misdiagnosing cancer at an alarming rate in this country based on this ridiculous recommendation of a mammogram every year from the age of 40 to the age of 70. It's a problem, and it needs to stop. But why will it stop? Only if we, the people, throw a fit the other direction. This whole garbage about 2009 when everybody said, no, take your hands off our mammograms, is ludicrous. And it's all based on what is very clearly a misunderstanding of what the facts are. Because cancer screening does not prevent cancer. It can early detect certain kinds of cancer, and then those cancers can be not just detected, but also potentially cured. I get that, and that's important, and I'm not trying to belittle that aspect of it. But there are things that can be done to prevent cancer, and there are ways to screen that are not invasive, like mammograms, and do not increase your odds of cancer, like mammograms. And I know this is supposed to be a men's health thing, but we were talking about prostate, and it's the same deal over there. Prostate cancer and breast cancer are essentially the same type of cancer anyway. And so we have to be cautious where somehow or another in men, we figured it out in this country. And now we're starting to say, even on websites like WebMD, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't keep getting PSA and worried about your cancer. And it's it's not bad. Or it is bad. You got to be careful. For some reason with breast cancer, we haven't gotten there yet. And yet we're creating false positives. We're creating surgeries that sometimes don't need to be done, treatments that don't need to be done, a whole heck of a lot of fear, and all kinds of other issues. We could be doing thermography. Look into it. If you're a woman and you're looking to see what's going on with your breast health, you're doing self-exams, I hope, learning how to do those correctly, because that's a big deal, and that's really valuable. And it doesn't create the issues that mammograms do. And on top of that, thermography. Look into thermography because it's an excellent option to actually detect cancer better with less false positives and no increase in the risk of cancer. All of those are big deals. Okay, that's probably the rantiest part of this whole thing. So what would I do if I wanted to prevent cancer? Well, let me tell you what I recommend because there are things that can be done. Things that we know can be done. Cancer is an inflammatory disease, so get your inflammation down. Sugar is a huge factor in cancer. Absolutely huge, because sugar is a massive inflammatory. So are refined foods. Big time inflammation. Eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Do things that help to reduce inflammation. Uh, you can supplement with things like turmeric. Turmeric, we know, especially the BCM95, Curamed turmeric, the one that I believe is infinitely better than anything else that's out there as far as turmeric goes. The research is phenomenal. The research is phenomenal. Awesome stuff on what it can do for inflammation and even uh, the animal studies that have been done on uh, tumors in mice 
amazing, really, really amazing stuff. How about antioxidants? We talked about the antioxidant-rich foods. Absolutely, but there are also antioxidant supplements that can be used like OPCs. I'm a big believer in OPCs from grape seeds, specific forms, but they work really well. Astaxanthin also helps to protect the fatty tissue, and that's a big deal when it comes to breast cancer. How about eliminating the xenoestrogens. Most of these types of cancers in both prostate and breast cancer are created by xenoestrogens or fed, as they call estrogen fed. Well, how do we do that? And why is this such a problem in the first place? Well, I believe a big, big part of the reason that breast cancer and prostate cancer are so prevalent in our society is because of all the chemicals that we put on our bodies and take into our bodies that cause this type of cancer. These are called xenoestrogens. They are foreign estrogens. They mess up all kinds of things. They mess with your hormones. They mess with your mood. They mess with so many different uh, things in the endocrine system. They're called endocrine disruptors and they are dangerous. And the big, big end result is cancer. But there are plenty of things that they're doing to you that you don't like, including preventing weight loss, impacting depression and anxiety, and so many other things brain fog, so many things that xenoestrogens create, and we're doing it to ourselves. If you want to do it clean, Google this. Xenoestrogens, that's X-E-N-O, estrogens, in men, if you're a man, or in women, if you're a woman, and just figure out what they are and what they do. We're happy to help you with these questions at Vitality. You can give us a call, 801-292-6662, 801-292-6662 is where you can call us if you have questions. But you can do a lot of this research on your own. Xenoestrogens in men, xenoestrogens in women, it's a big deal. Figure out what they are, petrochemicals primarily, tons of stuff we're putting on our body, hair care products, lipsticks, makeup, deodorant, and lotions, shampoos, conditioners, face creams, and so on and so forth. One of the big bad ones, sunscreen, the, the toxic chemical sunscreen I've been talking about a lot lately. All of those things create issues and are xenoestrogens that we need to avoid. And there are clean alternatives that are very effective. But one thing you can do is also detoxify from those things. I recommend something that I absolutely love. It's called EstroSense or AndroSense. Androsense for men, estrosense for women. Amazing product to help detoxify these estrogens and get them out of the system. They are a big deal. I use it myself on a daily basis and I'm an absolute fan of it. But you can even just do like a three-month detox. This is one of the things I recommend as the routine maintenance. About three months on this, two capsules a day to help detoxify your body of the xenoestrogens, unlock those things and get them out of the system. Uh, and then I do a bottle, uh, or I recommend a bottle about twice a year after that for 30 days, just to kind of make sure you're doing it. And as long as you're eating a lot of cruciferous vegetables, a half a cup a day is what's recommended. And I believe that's good. That's broccoli, kale, cauliflower, cabbage, things like that. About a half a cup a day. Do the xenoestrogen cleanse every so often. Fantastic preventative maintenance. Absolutely fantastic. This can help with sexual health. It can help with the prevention of cancer. It can help with unwanted weight gain. It can help with uh, hormone balance. In women especially, PMS and uh, menopausal symptoms amazing what happens when the xenoestrogens go away. But in men, one of the biggest things is it helps your testosterone come back up. That's a big deal. The older you get, the lower it goes. We get the testosterone back up. A lot of things improve. Absolutely. And the last part of this, oh my goodness, I'm going to run out of time. I was afraid of this. I'm going to do this. Okay, we're going to continue this on the next episode. 
And I'm going to make a rant out of this because it's important. The last one is get a flu shot and other recommended immunizations. That's what it talks about. Now, vaccines are a hot button topic to say the least. Social media is all over the place on it. You got your proponents just bashing things down on one side uh, and your opponents bashing things down on the other. And some are saying, you know, anti-vaxxers are evil and others are saying that quit shoving these things down my throat. And there's this pretty powerful fight out there about vaccines. But one thing that I think if people would just look at the research or in this case, lack thereof, that we can agree on is the flu shot. Because the flu shot has all kinds of issues with it and very little backing. And I'm going to talk about that in detail on the next episode because I want to get into it and I think it's important. And when they call that preventative maintenance, oh boy, the information on that is laughable. So I will do that uh, in more detail on the next show. But I will say this, because I think it's important, just in case you don't catch the next episode, some simple numbers. In this article on WebMD, and I don't know where they got their numbers for this, but they say that a flu shot will reduce your odds of getting the flu by 50 to 90%. And yet the Centers for Disease Control, the biggest proponent of the flu shot in this country, the Centers for Disease Control says that that number is closer to 5%. That getting a flu shot, and this is just based on their numbers from 2018, will actually decrease your risk of getting the flu by about 5%. WebMD, 50 to 90%. No idea. I have to assume they pulled those numbers out of a hat. Hard to say for sure. But we'll talk about it in detail if you're curious because, hey, flu season's around the corner again. Here in September, we're going to be hearing all kinds of calls in just a couple of months. Get your flu shot, get your flu shot. We'll talk about that in detail on the next show. So the last thing I want to end with is this. Routine maintenance for your health. There are a lot of things you can do. I talk about my Vital Five. If you haven't heard the Vital Five episodes, they will be the five of the first things launched on the podcast. We'll talk about the Vital Five. The Vital Five are the five things that I believe are the most important missing elements in our health in this country today based on our diet, our stress levels, and things like that. They are digestive enzymes, probiotics, a good multivitamin, and that's a loaded good because most multivitamins ain't so good, Uh, trace minerals, specifically magnesium and omega-3s. I have five individual episodes that I've dedicated to those in the past, and we'll do all five of them as podcast episodes very, very soon. But let me tell you what I do for routine maintenance other than the Vital Five. That estrogen cleanse, highly recommended. Now, I do that daily. You don't have to do that. Uh, Like I say, three months. If you've never done it before, I recommend a three-month version. And then do it twice a year for 30 days. I do a liver detox twice a year for 30 days. My favorite one is called Liver Fix. I absolutely love it. It's real simple to do, but I think it makes a big, big difference. Great product. A good colon cleanse about once or twice a year I think is very, very useful. If you haven't heard of it and you've never done it, I highly recommend the Master Cleanse. The Master Cleanse is as old as can be. It came out, I think, in the 50s, the book. Stanley Burroughs wrote it. It's real simple. You make up your own lemonade out of fresh squeezed lemons, uh, maple syrup, and a little bit of uh, cayenne pepper. Amazing stuff. 
You do that for seven to 10 days. It doesn't sound fun because that's all you're drinking. And frankly, it isn't fun, but it is so good. I love every time how I feel after I've done the master cleanse, but also 72 hour water fasting. If you've never tried it, it's kind of amazing. The research is awesome. I've never done it yet. I've done 48 hours. I did the 48 hours right before I read about the 72 hours, dang it. But I'm going to do it again very, very soon. I'm going to do the full 72 and I'll tell you how I feel. That can be great. Uh, the probiotic just thrive for two months out of every year. I do that myself and it's a big, big deal. And then more than anything, figure out what your family history is. Ask yourself the questions. Is it heart disease? Is it mental health? Is it neurological disease? Is it cancer? And then go out and prevent it. In my case, it's Parkinson's and dementia. Um, those two things with my parents, nothing closer to home than that. And my brain is the thing I need to protect probably the most based on my family history. So lion's mane is now something that I do on a regular basis. That's a unique mushroom that is very neuroprotective. Turmeric every day as an anti-inflammatory and a brain protector, an NO cardio boost every day to take care of my heart, but also to get the blood flow everywhere it needs to be, including the brain, to take care of the neurological system. Those are the biggies that I do based on my family's health. I'm going to do a part two of this show. We're going to talk about the vaccination thing, specifically flu shots I want to talk about because, again, hot button topic, but the flu shot shouldn't be. The flu shot so much propaganda wrapped around it. We'll talk about that when we come back. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. I have to leave you with this disclaimer. I am not your doctor. I do not pretend to be your doctor or to replace his or her medical advice. I am here to give you information based on the uh, education that I have received, and I hope that it is useful for you. And uh, if you have questions about these things that you hear, you can certainly talk to your doctor. You can also research it yourself and make the best decision for your health. I highly recommend you do that. And thank you so much for listening to me, Jared St. Clair, on Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello everyone, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.